we have been welcomed as we have welcomed one another, so we also pause and welcome God. Amen. Uh, before we jump into the word this morning, um, I know the last couple of weeks I have um, talked about something. I'm not going to talk about it this morning. And what I'm referring to is my zipper being down. I am not going to say anything about that this morning, so I just want you to know that. Um, no, seriously, I, I, I may have said some things the last few weeks that may have caused some stirring up in your heart or concern or fear. It would be easy to make assumptions. Um, oh, is he saying this? Is he saying that? Does he have some kind of hidden agenda? Um, I, I hope that after being here for 11 years, you have come to realize I'm not smart enough to have a hidden agenda. <laughs> I only have this agenda. Um, my agenda is I love the words God spoke. And I love the people God made. And I'm, with, along with our leaders, we are trying to have the courage to push into some new areas. And I'm so thankful for this church and so thankful for the stories I've been hearing of our willingness to keep asking the question, what does love require? I personally believe that Pulpit Rock Church is positioned to do what many churches are, even, are unwilling to even talk about. I am proud of this place, and I'm excited to be here with you. So, so let's hang together. Let's keep learning and leading together, and we'll figure some things out, okay? All right, thanks. All right, answer this question for me out loud. Cows gather in? Wolves run in? Okay, you're doing good. Sheep collect in? Geese gather in? Porcupines. What do they do? Do you know? They gather, I think there should be a porcupine. That's, I want to make sure you know I'm talking about porcupines. Porcupines gather in prickles. That's what they're called. Look it up. Porcupines have two methods for handling relationships. They withdraw or they attack. They either head for a tree or they stick out their quills. They travel alone, generally, and they're angry little creatures that are dangerous to be around. Doesn't that sound like a lot of Christian community today? Sometimes it's hard for us to be together. Sometimes we might even say things like, you know, I, try, I heard uh, Susie talking about community of parents. I heard Kyle talk about all these communities. Look, I tried community, and I just got poked. Maybe you got poked by annoying People. I don't know if you know this, but Christ calls people from very diverse backgrounds. Sometimes we could be standing next to someone and worshiping with them, and these are people that we would not normally seek out and connect with. That could be annoying. Maybe you got poked when your cause wasn't championed. Maybe you have a passion for some issue or some political deal or some theological point or some mission opportunity, and the people in your group didn't, didn't really jump on board with you like you thought they should, and you go, I don't understand. I guess I'm out. Or maybe you got poked by Christianity in general. I know the last few years, I have really struggled with being called a Christian because the way that I hear people who call themselves Christians speak and talk in our country today, I keep thinking, gosh, I don't agree with that at all. And I don't want people to think I'm in the boat with that. So I, I'm kind of struggling with that. And so even though you might be regularly attending some kind of community, it could be a church, it could be a small group, it could be a gathering, it, even though you're there every week, 
internally, you've started to eject. We were created in the image of God. God is a God of community, but being together can be so prickly. How do we do it? How do we hold on to community with one another? Well, we're in the letter to the Hebrews. I'm going to invite you to turn there to chapter 10 because the letter to the Hebrews actually addresses this. See, there were a group of Jewish people in the first century who had come to believe that the Messiah they had been waiting for for centuries had arrived in the person of Jesus Christ. And he had actually died and he had risen again to restore a community with God and each other and to bring this brand new kingdom. But this belief that they had was a threat to the kingdoms that were already in place. And so these believers were facing persecution. Their properties were being seized. Their families were rejecting them. Some of them were even being imprisoned. And they began to wonder, is meeting together with other people who believe in Jesus, is that even worth it? This letter to the, uh, to the Hebrews encourages them that Jesus is worth following. And today we're going to see that one of the greatest gifts that God has given us to help us keep following Jesus is each other, community. Now, as Kyle mentioned earlier, we're in a series called Seven. We're looking at some seven truths that we feel like are very helpful in this journey. I'm going to show you kind of an overview of this real quick. If you look uh, at, at kind of the horizon there, in the very center is this truth of the gospel. We looked at that a few weeks ago. And as we look up towards loving God, we realize that the identity that we understand that we have, uh, our ability to listen to God and, res and, and respond to him, our ability to, to be in, the, in it for the long haul, to sustain a journey, these are all things that help us travel with him. As we look below, we realize that we are people who've been sent, just as God has been sent to us in Christ, we have been sent out to people. We also realize he's placed us in, in, a, a pla in neighborhoods where we are to neighbor well with those around us, and today we're going to look at the word community. Community is referring to the focus of love on one another inside community. These are how Christians treat other Christians. That's a little different than neighbor and sent. And so we're going to start in Hebrews chapter 10. We're going to look at verses 23 through 25. I'm, I'm going to read the whole thing, and then we'll go back and unpack it. The author says this, let us hold tightly to our confession of hope without being diverted. The one who announced the message to us is trustworthy. Let us as well stir up one another's minds to energetic effort in love and good works. We mustn't do what some people have got into the habit of doing, neglecting to meet together. Instead, we must encourage one another and all the more as you can see the great day coming closer. And actually, I want to start looking at this verse. I want to start in the very middle of this whole thing. We mustn't do what some people have gotten to the habit of doing, which is what? Neglecting to meet together. So what does that mean? That means you should come to church every Sunday. Right? No, that's not at all what it means. It's, it's, this is not a verse about attending a church. It's a verse about engaging in community where there is confession of hope where there is a stirring up towards love and good works, where there is an encouragement towards the great day that's coming closer. To meet together is to enter in and hold space with God and with other people. And if we're not careful, this, uh, this idea of neglecting community can actually become a habit for us. We can fall out of connecting with people. And when we go long enough without confessing, without stirring, without encouraging, without giving that and receiving that, we can actually begin to drift away from Christ. I would say it this way. 
When we do not engage in community, this is not church attendance, when we do not engage in community, we begin ejecting from community, and that leads us to drift from Jesus. Now, let me clarify something I'm not saying this morning. I'm learning to do that. This passage in Hebrews is not about changing churches. It is about ejecting from community. See, back in the day when these churches were first beginning, there was usually one church for a whole area. So if you were in Galatia and you said, I'm going to stop meeting and engaging with the church in Galatia, you were actually just stepping out of community altogether. However, in our world, in, in the city of Colorado Springs especially, you cannot swing a dead cat without hitting 19 churches. Each one of them has their own flavor and style and taste and this and this. Now, recently we had a few families that left our church. These are good-hearted, Christ-loving people. And guess what? We've also had a number of families from other churches start coming here. I hope they're also good-hearted, Christ-loving people. If we're going to be open-handed in receiving people who feel like God has led them from another church, then we must be open-handed in blessing people who feel like God has led them to another church. The, I don't have a problem with someone leaving our church as long as they're not leaving the church, as long as people are not ejecting from community, because I believe that ejecting from community is a precursor to drifting from Christ. Now, the Hebrews, in their situation, they were not, he said, why, they're in this habit of people are not meeting together. Why was that? Well, as we explained, it was likely out of fear of physical uh, abuse or torture or social rejection or imprisonment. That's not our situation, right? It's a situation in some places in the world, but it's not the situation in Colorado. But I've been in churches long enough to see one thing that I think when people see this, they feel like, well, I have to eject from community. And it's one sentence. Here's the sentence. Love requires unity of belief. And what this means is when people, when, when we buy into this idea, what we're saying is if you don't completely agree with me, we cannot be friends. We cannot go to church together. We can't study together. We can't do small group together. We cannot hold space. And this is not a church problem, by the way. This is a human problem. I don't know if any of you have lived in America the last two years. Any, any of you have done that? Have you noticed how increasingly, if you do not agree with me on this, then you are demonized and devalued? This is a human problem. But this is not a sustainable definition of love. If that were true, all marriages would fall apart. All political parties would cease, which, which might not be a bad thing, but just roll with me for a minute. All corporation boards would break down. All nations would war. It is not proof of love if we agree on everything. It is easy to love when there is agreement. The gospel calls us to the opposite. It says if you disagree, you still stay in community. Biblical love absorbs all kinds of belief gaps. I mean, if Jesus put Simon the Zealot, an insurrectionist who hated the Romans, on the same team with Matthew the tax collector, a collaborator with the Romans, and he made them roommates, why can't we set aside some differences for something greater? Over and over we hear this message in the New Testament. I'm just going to jump to another passage. It could have gone anywhere, but I thought this was helpful. Ephesians 4, 2 through 3. Bear with one another in love. Be humble. Be meek. Patient in every way with one another. Make every effort to guard the unity that the Spirit gives with your lives bound together in peace. 
To bear with one another is to actively carry something or someone. In other words, it's to choose to hold space with. It's not hard to bear with someone you have no disagreement with. You don't need to be humble or meek or patient if you are on the same page. You don't have to make any effort to guard the unity if no effort is required. Instead, what we see over and over in the life of Jesus Christ is that we endure one another. We tolerate one another. We are lenient with one another. We hold space even when we don't hold every belief. Now, when you start talking like this, someone might be thinking, well, but, but isn't what we believe important? Yes. But I want you to consider this. There is a difference in what we believe and how we carry that belief. There's a difference between what you believe and how you believe it. Let me give you an example of that, okay? And I'm just going gonna, gonna to use this example, and uh, hopefully this is received well. At Pulpit Rock, we believe that God intended marriage to be a lifelong union between a man and a woman. So divorce in that situation would, would be a sin, right? That's, that is something that is a what we believe. But how are we going to hold space with people who've been divorced? Are we going to show grace? Are we going to walk with? There, there were years ago, I remember going up in churches where to be divorced meant you had to kind of leave the community. We don't do that anymore. We don't want anyone to get divorced, but if you have been, I want you to know you have a hope and a future here. We're not going to hold you to something there. Because what we believe is important, but how we believe it is also important. So, for example, if you went to our website, pulperock.com, and you looked up what we would believe, you'd see a list of statements of the what's we believe. But at the very top of that webpage, you would see this statement. Just because we believe these truths doesn't mean that they are the truest thing about us. These are only positions, and they neglect to take our posture into account. These are best used in the context of relationship and conversation. Because we think at Pulpit that what we believe, our position, is not helpful if we don't consider how we believe it, our posture. Well, what makes this worth it? What, what makes it worth it to, to be meek and humble and to put up with and to hold space with people when we don't hold the same beliefs? Look back at Hebrews 10. Because... We need our confession of hope, where we keep saying and singing to one another that the resurrection of Jesus Christ has opened up a new path to God. And we need to stir up towards love and good works to help each other live out the question, what does love require? And we need to encourage one another that life has a point, that together we will see the great day coming closer when Christ will finally and fully bring the restoration of all things. But if you think, if we think that complete unity of belief is required to hold space, then what do you do when you disagree? You eject. And you miss out on the confessing and the spurring and the encouraging. Now, every church has to land on not just what they believe, but they also have to land on how they're going to hold that belief. My friend describes it this way. He says, you can either be a bounded set or a centered set. Now, I brought this jump rope up here to show you something this morning. And I'm just going to tell you up front that I am not going to be jumping rope. I am physically incapable of jumping rope, just like dogs are physically incapable of looking up. So neither of us can do that. So I'm not going to do that today. But let me just show you what I'm talking about. For many people, community is kind of this bounded set. It is where you have a set of boundaries... Make a, I'll just make a circle here. 
you have a set of boundaries, and these boundaries are beliefs and practices. And what we would say is, well, for me to belong, for me to be inside, for me to invite you inside, you must first, across these boundaries, you must first behave and believe in certain ways for you to belong. It's kind of like this thought that you have these cows and you want to build fences around them so the cows won't get away and you can protect the cows. This would be a bounded set approach that you must behave and believe before you can belong. Another way to look at this, though, is to, and we've talked about this before at Pulpit, but is to look at more of a kind of a centered set where the centered set, just imagine that there's this pole here, there is some kind of center point and what you are measuring now is how close to this and how distant am I? Am I moving towards this or am I moving away from this? To us, the center point would be Jesus Christ. And so we would say, the question we always want to be asking with one another is, are you close to Christ? Are you distant from him? Where are you distant from him? Are you moving towards him or are you moving away from him? Kind of like the thought that instead of building fences, what if you just built a well? And that provided life-giving water, and that's what drew people around. And so in this scenario, we would not say, well, you have to behave and believe in order to belong. We would say belong. And then as you belong, see that belief grow. And as that belief in Christ grows, see how he begins to change the way that you behave. It's kind of two different ways to look at life. So at Pulpit Rock, we have a high tolerance for messy we are all walking this journey of unfinished faith. And when people commit to community, to meet together, even with disagreement, I believe it actually deepens our faith. Here's why. Back in Hebrews 10. It makes the confession of hope more powerful because we are saying that Jesus holds us together more than whatever would divide us. It makes the spurring on towards love and good deeds sweeter because we redirect from debates to the practical living out of the greatest command. And it makes the encouraging greater because it moves our focus on away from how one another are wrong towards the day when all the wrongs are going to be made right. This language might be uncomfortable because sometimes we get nervous when people are believing or behaving in ways we don't think are right. So how do we hold space? Let me wrap up with two things I do these are two things I've begun to practice, and this enables me to hold space with people when I disagree. Here's the first one. I hold space when I don't discuss theology with people who are not my friends. Why didn't Jesus just show up fully grown, give a 30-minute message here on earth, and then immediately go die on the cross and, and rise again? Why didn't he do that? Why would he spend three decades with us? Because Jesus didn't want to discuss theology outside of community. He didn't want to just give us a what to believe. He wanted to model how to believe it. I believe theology is way too important to reduce to a series of statements or sound bites or especially labels. If you look in the Gospels, people were always coming to Jesus and saying, pick A or pick B. Define this or that. And instead, what would he always do? Hey, let's have a conversation. Let's, tell, let's talk about stories. Let's talk about your life. Let me ask you a question. This is one reason why I got off social media. I realized I was getting so angsty because I was arguing theology with people with whom I was not in relationship. So here's what happens. Someone may come up to me and they go, well, hey, I want to know your position on this. And I will say to them, hey, that's a great question. I don't discuss theology with people who are not my friends. I'd like to be your friend. 
what if we went and got a cup of coffee and got to know each other and we could talk about this in context? This is one way I'm trying to hold theology, I hold space with people. Related to that, though, here's a second way I try to hold space. I hold space when I don't discuss sin with people who are not my friends. This is where we get kind of antsy. We wonder, but, but when am I supposed to tell people that they're wrong? When am I supposed to, to, to let people know that I disapprove of what they are doing? Let me just pause right there. I promise you that they know you disapprove. You don't have to worry about that. Our radar is always high to pick up on people's judgment of us. Don't worry that someone doesn't know that you disapprove. They do. I just don't see the point in pointing out when I think someone is doing something wrong when I don't have a relationship with them. If I do have a relationship with them, if I do have a small voice into someone's life, I want to spend whatever influence I have calling them towards that confession of hope in Jesus Christ. I don't want to try to fix them. I don't want to try to deconstruct them. I don't want to change how they identify themselves. I am playing a long game because I came to a realization years ago that I am not the Christ. <laughs> I know you figured it out way before I did. But Jesus Christ said this. He said, all judgment has been given from the Father to me. I take that to mean that there wasn't leftover judgment for me to pick up and use. Christ calls people. Christ changes people. Not my job. Well, Thomas, I, I guess i got to ask this last question. Then how long? <laughs> I mean, you, you, what you're saying is you'll, you'll, you'll hold space with someone. But eventually, you know, if they don't change their belief or their behavior, you're not going to hold space with them anymore. How long are you going to hold space with people? who are walking in wrong ways. I hope I will do that until my dying breath. Because at Pulpit Rock, community means we're going to confess the hope with one another, we're going to spur one another, we're going to encourage one another, but what we're not going to do is eject from one another. We're going to hold space. I would love if you would hold space with us this year. You can do that one way by filling out that membership affirmation that just says, hey, for 2019, I want to hold space with this place. But I want to remind you, holding space is much more than attending. It's engaging in community. If you are in a large group like this, this is a great opportunity for, for singing. It's a great opportunity for teaching, for communicating. But if this is all we have, then we are reinforcing the porcupine lifestyle. You come, you listen, you leave. You don't have to get in relationships. You don't have to get messy. You never have to worry about the quills. So as we prepare for communion this morning, I, I want to give you a question to ponder, and it's this. With whom are you confessing hope, spurring to love and good works, and encouraging towards the day? With whom are you doing that? And however you answer that question, the answer can't be Jesus. It has to be other people. There have to be faces that you see in that question. There have to be names. There have to be tables and across from it. People who know you, see you, and love you. Who say, I'm going to hold space with you. You could find these people at Second Table that Kyle talked about that starts next week where you discuss theology with new friends. It could be attending the IF gathering in March or, or find, connecting with one of our many women's groups that meet throughout the week. Some people find that they engage as they serve alongside others in places in their church. Or they go on trips to Haiti or Boquias with us. Please hear my heart. This is not a plea for you to get involved in church. It's a plea for you to get engaged in community. Will you pause with me for a moment and let's just pray about this question?
Jesus, I pray that you'd bring to my mind the faces of people with whom I'm confessing hope, spurring to love and good works, and encouraging towards the great day. Jesus, if I'm having a hard time picturing those faces, I want you to speak into that. Give me courage and opportunity that I might hold space. Amen. That was God calling to say, listen, listen to this. One of the greatest reminders of community is communion. Jesus never gave us the bread and the cup to to go off alone outside of community, but as a meal to enjoy together. So we're going to do something kind of different with our communion today. To remind us of the power of this, uh, we're going to take this thank you meal, but we're going to all take it exactly at the same time. So what's going to happen is, this uh, in a moment, uh, Roland's going to begin playing, and you're going to come up and you're going to take the elements, the, the cup and, and the bread, and you're going to take them back to your seat. We have tables in the back. We have tables here. Upstairs, they'll be bringing it to you. And then once everyone has uh, got it at the same time, we're going to stand, we're going to say something together, and then we're going to take them together, kind of as a symbol of community for us this morning. So uh, I think Roland is hopefully coming somewhere in this room. Otherwise, I'll just start humming. Um, <laughs> All right, we'll roll with it. I want to encourage you at this moment to prepare your hearts and come forward and begin taking the elements, take them back to your seat, and then we will hold space together. Let's go.